It's a special Tuesday edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. Why is it a special edition? Well, kind of going to go behind enemy lines. There's a team that's kind of taken over first place and a huge, massive 5-1 to one victory over a Seattle Kraken team last night. Uh, that is fighting for a playoff spot. And the voice of the Minnesota Wild is kind enough to join us. At one time, I was his analyst for the Houston Arrows, and he didn't take me with him to Minnesota, and I'll never forgive him for that. But it's Joe O'Donnell. How are you, my friend? I said thanks for having me on. Uh, (laughs) Always good to chat with you. And I thought you were going to lead with that you were my boss at one point. But uh, we (laughs) We can save that conversation for another time. Yeah, we bury those leads, right? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, So your Minnesota Wild team, uh, massive victory last night. Uh, We had talked before uh, doing this that the the road ahead is tough for the Wild. But when the last time the Wild were in town, we were having the conversation that, you know, you guys were fighting for a wild card spot, basically. What has been the key components of this turnaround? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because that next day after you know you and I got together and had some lunch, the Wild were playing the Stars. They lost that game, didn't play particularly well. And prior to that game at Morning Skate and Pete DeBoer's media scrum, his availability, he was asked about, hey, you know, if you win tonight, you go 10 points ahead of the Wild. and one of those sort of like, hey, you know, you, you don't really talk about this stuff or look at this stuff, but you would really kind of put them in the rearview mirror. And he did sort of address a Pete DeBoer and acknowledged, yeah, it's a big game from a swing standpoint, right? You're either six up or you're 10 up, and that's a massive difference this time of year. Now, this was, you know, five weeks ago. And like I said, the Stars took care of business that game, and the Wild were in a bit of a tailspin as far as, uh, post all-star break and not having a lot of success. I think they dropped four or five out of the break and um, were they going to be sellers? Were they going to be a wild card team? Uh, would they make the postseason? And since then they've gotten points, 19 out of 20 games, uh, basically since that day in Dallas, maybe a game or two later, but the point is they just haven't been, uh, they've been finding ways to have success and it's come through some increased scoring. Um, the streak that started, with I think it was 14 straight games to the point, which was a new franchise record, was actually more of a 2-1, one nothing, lock it down, not a lot of scoring, just the grimiest, greasiest hockey you could imagine. Mm-hmm. And now lately, as the stretch has continued here, this point's in 19 out of 20, it's been 5-1 wins or um, you know shootout wins or a shootout loss in Philadelphia 5-4 where you didn't play great, but you found a way to get a point. So they've just been consistent in... The goaltending, I think, to answer your question, has been outstanding. Defensively, they've been better for for the most part. Um, And just finding ways to get it done, winning tight games or forcing a game into overtime where maybe they didn't play their best hockey. And honestly, they put themselves in a great spot now to to sew up a playoff appearance. And, you know, a couple more wins should probably get that done for them. Yeah, Fleury looked really good last night. Uh, The ageless wonder. Yeah. Well, it was turn back the clock, Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, there's times this year, Gavin, where – you know, he scrambles a bit. There's a lot of rebounds. He has to make a flashy save where Philip Gustafson, his, his running mate in net for the Wild this year, is the complete opposite, right? He's as cool as the other side of the pillow. There's no wasted movement. There's not a lot of flash and flair to his game. So they are two opposite ends of the spectrum from a goaltending perspective. But last night, Flurry was not only acrobatic and aggressive and flashy, but he was also... 
I just feel like very technical as well. Like there wasn't a lot of uh, one time he kind of got out of position and, and, uh, and the Kraken sort of missed the opportunity shot was blocked at the outside of the net. And he kind of looked up to the rafters afterwards, like, Oh, I got away with one. But other than that, he was pretty calm for flurry standards. And I think that's a good sign for Minnesota moving forward. I believe he's like eight Oh and one in his last nine now. Wow. How great was it that game against the blues where flurry came out and wanted to fight Bennington? You have no idea how ready I was for that. Fight I know. I from bet a broad, from I, a broadcast yes. standpoint, man. I don't want to. You know, you never want to be like a no hitter, right? Broadcaster. Yeah, exactly. I think I've called one goalie fight in. I started broadcasting in the ECHL in 2005, so I mean, 18 years of calling some form of professional ice hockey, and I've called one. I think so. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd love to get a goalie goal selfishly on the broadcast resume just to see it be a part of it but same thing with a goalie fight especially since it's flurry he's gonna be a hall of famer and a lot of ways public enemy number one across the nhl as far as goalies go in jordan bennington there's not a lot of goalies you look at as like bad guys or heels in, in wrestling to, to steal that term but yep. bennington's one of those guys and so that would have been awesome Unfortunately, the linesman didn't let him go yeah absolutely in fact the other night fort wayne comets had their first goalie goal and if you yeah, listen, if you that. listen to the uh, the play by play of it, you would have thought they just you know won the cup. It was yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. Was, uh, it, yeah. it was big. Okay, so former uh, star that played an integral role here for a number of years, John Klingberg gets traded uh, to Minnesota. Uh, wasn't uh, in last night's uh, lineup. How's he been so far? Well, he's dealing with a little bit of an upper body injury, so he's missed the last. I guess it's been three games now. The one in Philadelphia. Um, and then the home game to Chicago and the home game last night against the Kraken. So haven't seen him the last three games. He's day to day. I believe he's traveling with the, with the team today to Colorado and then Vegas. So if he sits out past this weekend, I think I'd be a little concerned. I'd imagine he gets back in the next couple of nights, uh, obviously added some off, you know, some instant offense hasn't completely clicked on the power play yet. Again, I, I think that's one of those things that takes some time. You don't get a lot of practice reps this time of the year, so that kind of hurts Klingberg in, in working with uh, the top unit. And right now, you know, there's no Kirill Kaprizov who's been out for the last three-plus weeks with a with a leg injury. So um, there'll be more shuffling to do when Kaprizov comes back with how the power play units will, will look if Klingberg's healthy and running the top unit and how that will all shake out. So I do think it's important for Minnesota these last eight games not only to be playing well, but start to identify roles. Um, Klingberg, is he a third D pair? Is he top power play unit? How does he fit in? Uh, the one thing Dean Evison has said about John Klingberg is at times, and this is something in his career that sort of haunted him, is he's just not firm enough on pucks. He's not always willing to go north immediately. Yeah. And yes, the instincts are there offensively, but the wild want to play a game like most teams where you're, you know, you're getting it on the four check, and that starts with the defenseman going north, uh, being strong on pucks, but the offensive upside is obviously there. He scored a huge goal the other night that started a rally uh, in St. Louis in that game you referred to that Minnesota eventually went on to win 8-5. Um, Frisbee and a, a puck from the blue line that had had some eyes and found the back of the net. So, yeah, the offense is still there for John Klingberg. He's going to play, you know, probably 17, 18 minutes a night um, with the Wild, you know, when he's healthy. Uh, but there's certainly a little bit of uh, – I guess just some some kinks to work out there. We, my partners on this podcast always joke with me since I'm such a big Ryan Reeves guy. 
Um, yep. And I just say everywhere he goes, he wins. And yep. what's it been like, you know, spending the season with good old Revo? It's a great question. Um, I'm going to make an analogy here that I'm, I haven't really th- talked out of my head before, but like a lot of ways it's similar to almost having flurry around just from a personality standpoint. Now they're totally different. So don't, don't get it twisted here with the answer, but just like when you're like, what's it like to have him around? The first thing I think of, man, it's been awesome to just have Mark Andre flurry around a future hall of famer, right? Like mm-hmm. they're just such big personalities. Now to answer your question about Ryan Reeves, he is an alpha male in every, every part of the rink on the bus, you know, in the hotel, uh, on the airplane. Like he just, he has his presence about him. And I think Bill, Bill Guerin obviously knew that, you know, when he traded for him, he talked about his swagger that he'll bring and the personality he'll bring. Um, and man, uh, Dean Evison absolutely loves him. You know, here, here's a guy that is going to be, is going to make the coach's life hard when it comes to the postseason. And the Wild potentially get a Gustav Nyquist healthy, who hasn't played yeah. yet for the team he was traded for. Uh, Kaprizov's coming back. You got a fourth line that's playing so well right now with Reeves, Mason Shaw, and Connor Dewar. Like they've been arguably the Wild's best line some nights during this stretch points in 19 to 20. So he's going to be hard to take out lineup. And you love to see that from a guy that's worked for everything he's gotten in this game. Um, just a fun guy to be around. And obviously on the ice, like he's as tough as it gets. And I know, you know, just from the people around the organization that the first game that he played for the wild in Dallas, uh, which was that crazy six to five back and forth stars rallied, I think it was four in the third wild eventually won the shootout. That yep. was very early uh, February. I think uh, Ryan Reeves went onto the ice that night at warmups and told Jamie Ben, you're no longer essentially the, you know, the man in the central division and uh from like a you know alpha male toughness standpoint sure. so that's what you want from ryan reese right like yeah. he's going to step out on that ice and everybody on the other team's going to know he's out there and he's got a role to do if he needs to do it but he's been scoring goals lately and playing great overall good sound defensive hockey uh in on the four check finishing his hits contributing he scored again last night i mean it's been a really, really positive contribution uh, to this hockey team from what Ryan Reeves has bought, uh, brought. But uh, but overall, just like such a fun guy to be around. He, you could just tell how much he loves the game. Yeah, the you know, the other one that I, I think with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, the guy that doesn't get the attention outside of Minnesota would be Matt Boldy. He's been a real nice story. Unbelievable. I think it's nine goals his last five games after another hat trick last night, his second Patrick in the last five games, he now has three career regular season hat tricks at age 21 or 22, whatever the heck he just turned um, or he's about to turn. And the franchise record is nine uh, for Marion Gabrick. Parisi had three. Now Boldy has three. So he's already tied for the second most hat tricks in franchise history. And the kids just played a barely, you know, 115 games in his career. So um, it's unbelievable the way he, has this confidence about him right now. The coaching staff was begging him to shoot the puck earlier in the year. I don't know why you'd ever be hesitant to shoot the puck when you can shoot it like Matt Boldy does, but maybe just a young kid trying to defer to his line mates and defer on the power play. But Marcus Johansson, uh, since he was brought in from the Capitals, he might be the steal of the trade deadline 
uh, across the entire NHL because it wasn't a big talked about move. But now that Boldy, Johansson, and Jules Erickson have played together, they've been the Wilds' top line, especially with Kaprizov out. Boldy's been on fire. He's confident shooting the puck. And uh, boy, what a talent he's going to be in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Are they thinking, and are you thinking what I'm thinking? You know, my mantra heading into the playoffs is avoid the abs in the first round. I've been asked this a bunch lately, and um, I don't look, nobody in the wild dressing room is going to say that. Yeah. Um, but I think if you can win the division and, and play a wild card team, you know, <laughs> it probably gives you the best chance to get out of the first round for the first time in a handful of years. Yep. Obviously, Dallas, I, I think, is a tough matchup because I've seen the way the Stars can score. Maybe they're not playing their best hockey right now, but we all know they can score. And Ottinger, as we saw last year in the playoffs, if he locks in, good luck. So, um, yeah, Colorado would be not a fun first-round opponent, the defending champs, but I don't think they have the aura of last year. Um, now, everybody seems to think they're going to eventually win the division. They're eventually going to get healthy. I mean, that was a talk six, eight weeks ago. Uh, around the you know the wild media circles is like yep the abs are going to win the division like even though they weren't maybe even in a playoff spot at that point or they were in a wild card spot and 10 12 points back of everybody like you just knew they were going to get healthy and find their game so i think if that's the if that's what you're thinking two months out um then certainly as you get closer to the playoffs you've also got to be wondering just how good the abs can be if they're up and running will they get Atlantis cog back and and how will their goaltending shake out so uh, it'll be interesting to see, but I think they don't want to put all their eggs into winning the division and, and kill themselves doing it because some rest would benefit this wild team. But if they could win the division and avoid Dallas and Colorado, I think that's a huge win for Minnesota trying to, again, sort of uh, exercise those, those first-round demons. The voice of the wild and uh, my good friend Joe O'Donnell joins us on Spits and Suds uh, as they head out on the uh, road. You leave today for Colorado? Yeah, play the Avs tomorrow night, one of those national TV games. The puck will drop about midnight, so those are always fun. Um, I think it's a I think it's a nine twenty two central time puck wow. drop, so eight twenty two local. Yeah. Um wild fans tend to get screwed when the when national TV takes their games uh from a from a start time standpoint. Then on to Vegas and it's actually a home and home against the Golden Knights Saturday in Vegas and then uh Monday of next week back in St. Paul against the Golden Knights, and those will be two huge games as well. Um, again, the wild don't have an easy path. I mean, they've got a game against Chicago and a game against St. Louis still coming up on the schedule, but in the last eight, they've got Pittsburgh. They've got the two with Vegas. They've got the game with Denver. Um, they've got the jets and the last game of the year is in Nashville, a team that's playing hard despite a depleted roster. So, um, it's going to be a, uh, a difficult stretch for Minnesota to try and achieve their goal of, you know, peaking at the right time and, and securing that spot. So from an outside perspective, looking at the Dallas Stars and calling the games this year, what have you seen? What do you like about this Dallas Stars team? Because, you know, we talk about the goods and bads about the Dallas Stars. I love to go outside of DFW and kind of get a different perspective. Well, I think, you know, this is something that Tom Reed and I have talked about. He's the longtime radio analyst for Minnesota um, and who I work with, you know, every game. And he's talked about just – he thinks Jamie Ben's probably in better shape uh, and was at the start of the year, hence his, his solid start to the season. Um, so Jamie Ben obviously being sort of the, the engine and the stars vehicle in a lot of ways uh, from that personality and toughness standpoint, that swagger standpoint. So when Jamie Ben's going, I think the stars are obviously a tough team, but then I, you know, you can't go very far without talking about 
Rope Hints and Jason Robertson. And I honestly, you know, we saw Matty Beneers last night. I hadn't seen him since November. To me, Wyatt Johnston should be getting a lot more talk for the Calder Trophy. Every single time I've seen this kid, I've been impressed. He's got hockey sense. He moves around the rink well. Seems like he scores timely goals. He's a guy that in a first-round playoff matchup, I'd be a little worried about sort of just being an X-factor that would be under the radar. Um, I don't think Wyatt Johnston gets enough love. On the back end, obviously, Haskinen's all-world on during net. Uh, you know, Lundquist, I think, has found his game a little bit from what I can tell and eating up more minutes the last time we saw the Stars from maybe earlier in the year. Um, you know, and you've got Ryan Suter there who spent, what, nine years in a Minnesota sweater yeah. and, and Wild fans know him well. So for me, like, if you're looking at a – obviously, Colorado is a big wild rival, right, and they're the defending champs. But if you're looking at from a storyline perspective, Minnesota – you know, the North Stars go to Dallas. You've got Ottinger, who's from Lakeville, Minnesota. Yep. You've got Ryan Suter. Um, you know, I think that that would be – there's playoff history between the teams. I mean – Plus the Klingberg. I think it would be Klingberg. I mean, boy, there, there are just so many – Robertson and Kaprizov, you yep. know, from their Calder Trophy race a couple of years back. There are just so many good storylines uh, between those two teams. It would be a fun series, of course. But, yeah, overall, I think Dallas – it's hard to be consistent all year, right? The Wild struggled at the start of the year uh, and then hit the skids right after the All-Star break. Now they're playing their best hockey. Just because Dallas might be a 500 team or a little below the last four weeks doesn't mean that ultimately you don't look at their whole body of work um, through a long 82-game season. So saw a great picture of you on social media the other day. You know, we talk about people like Jake Ottinger, who's genuinely excited to play in front of his home fans in Minnesota and loves playing against the wild and you got to call the wild game in Philly. You, you grew up there. You're the nicest Eagles fan that I've ever met. So I, 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 I say that gracefully. <laughs> um, we tend to not like Eagles fans down here. You're the exception. Hopefully people listening will agree, but you took a massive family picture of friends and family out in, uh, when you called the game against the Flyers the other day. I just thought it was cool because we think of athletes, you know, heading home, and your road to the NHL has been one where you've clawed and, you know, fought in the ECHL to the AHL for a number of years, moving from Houston to Iowa and now getting the call up with the Minnesota Wild. Just take me through that experience. Um, it was awesome. I mean, last year was the first chance at a broadcast game in Philly, and that was special. I mean, just – um, goosebumps pregame, you know, like, I don't know. It was just crazy. And, uh, and, and I don't think it will ever get old to be honest. Like even this year, going back there last week, um, probably had about 30 people come out to the game, uh, for my parents, um, you know, to my wife's family, friends. I mean, it was guys I grew up playing hockey with. Um, it was really cool. And, uh, and I, I don't think I'll ever take those that game in particular, the one date a year in Philadelphia for granted. Um, it just it means a lot to me, the support from everybody to help me get to where I've gotten and uh, just the fact that they're willing to show up and and hang out before the game and catch up at intermission for a few minutes. And uh, whether they're Wild fans, Flyers fans, it doesn't matter to me. Just the fact that they um, have been so supportive just means so much and. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and and again, that, that game will be circled on the calendar every year. It'll never get old. And you're a part, or were a part, of 
the rich history of Houston hockey. And that's where we first met. And there's talk now about Houston getting a team at some point. Um, I think they're mandatory has to be called the arrows. And there's such rich history with the arrows and hockey in Houston. But you have, I think, one of the best perspectives because you were involved in the play-by-play. You were involved in the business side uh, of things. What's your perspective as far as Houston getting an NHL franchise? Man, Gavin, over the years, I've kind of, I feel like I've kind of gone back and forth on this because I saw it firsthand. Then the team moved to no fault of its own. I mean, essentially forced out of the building, if we're being quite frank. Yep. Um, Toyota Center lease was up, you know, triple the rent, all that will get the hockey team out of town. And it did. Um, but I would say this, like, I, I, I believe that hockey can work there because they have a building, right, that's already capable of hosting hockey size-wise. They have ice making in there. Like, you can, you know, the, the ice plant, like, you can – you don't need a lot to make it happen. Um, it's a big enough city. The corporate dollars are there. And I do believe that the fans, although it's a small minority of them, meaning like, you know, probably let's say 5,000 hardcore hockey fans, like that's enough to start the base of a real fan group, uh, a real fan base. But there's other parts that have to come with this, right? Like you're going to have to get the casual fan out there um, the Texans fan, the Rockets fan, and you're going to have to have it priced where the casual fan wants to come out more than just once a year. Now, Houston is a big time transplant city, as you and I both know. I don't know so much a touristy city, but a transplant city for yep. work, the oil industry, all those things. So you will get some folks, a lot of people from California and Canada live in Houston. So you, I think there's a demographic there to make it work. I think the facilities are there and I know the corporate dollars are there because it's what the fourth largest city in, in the country. So there are big businesses and there are people that would help, you know, drive the revenue to make that thing work. Um, travel wise, you know, probably not terrible. you get some natural rivals, obviously in, in Dallas being right down the road and in the NHL with the way teams are flying and chartering and stuff like, it wouldn't be, you know, you plop them in the central division, I guess, and, and away you go. So uh, I think it can work. I have kind of gone back and forth with it over the years because I saw the fan base. I saw how the team was forced out, but I know that there are still passionate hockey fans in Houston. Um, And I, I don't know if it'd be an expansion thing for me, but more relocation that I think makes more sense. But with that said, I know this much that the owners would prefer expansion because of the expansion fee yeah right every team gets a cut of that expansion fee relocation i don't think they get squat i could be wrong so um and i know there's some talk of maybe even expanding the schedule a couple of games uh maybe getting it to 84 games and people are probably thinking oh my gosh season's long enough as it is but look at it right now the wild only play the avalanche three times this year they're a division rival one of their biggest rivals forget the division and they only play them three times this will be the first and only time we go to Denver all year is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, there's something wacky about that, but at the same time, you don't want to not play Sidney Crosby every year or wherever Connor Bedard ends up. If he's in the Eastern conference, yeah. like you want your fans to see other teams, but still try and manage the whole rivalry thing as well. Uh, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was watching the Anaheim game last night and they were posting the odds for um, percentage to, to get the yeah, top draft. Picks. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
boy, if Anaheim gets them, they got some special players on that team. I mean, young and was, raw, but. I was driving into to the rink yesterday, and I thought, if you had the number one pick, would you consider moving it? Like, what would that haul be like um, to give up the potential to draft Connor Bernard? I mean, you'd probably be crazy to do it, yeah. but you'd probably be able to land whatever you wanted from whatever team, you know, thought that they needed that one player. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think if I, you, it, we see it in the NFL, right? Like, hey, we don't need a quarterback, so we're willing to move out of the one spot. So right. Like, you know, but, I, you know, Columbus and Anaheim and all these teams, they they could really use a game breaker like Bedard is, is sort of lining up. Yeah. Game. It's interesting, Joe. That's a, that's a really interesting point. I think for a couple of reasons, I mean, there's only one Connor McDavid, but you know, he's being talked about like that. So from a marketing perspective, yeah. that's what would make it tough for the city. I think the other thing, if I, if I am, you know, giving up that pick, I need NHL players that are yeah. ready. Like oh, I need 100%. to turn my, I can't, yeah. I can't go like number one pick in, 2023 right. number one pick in 2024 so but it's a fascinating question because i mean we've seen you know players that turn out to be good players but um you know we've seen some players you know not turn out to be you yeah. know as good as we thought too so it is uh you know it's interesting well i appreciate it you know huge game for you guys tomorrow night um as we look at the standings you guys really need to slow down uh 95 <laughs> points we're at 92 and uh, right now we play the uh, Avs, so it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But once again, congratulations, man! Um, awesome to be your friend for a long time. Uh, one of the coolest things. I'm going to go behind the curtain here. I, I don't do it much on this, but when you got the job, you actually took the opportunity and you called me, and uh, we had that conversation. And that probably is a top five conversation I've had. I mean, that was. That was special that you thought of me during that time. So uh, I know the road was tough, but, uh, I, man, I'm just so proud of you. And uh, continue good work, my man. Oh, thanks, Kevin. That means a lot, buddy. And, um, you know, I called you for a reason. And uh, you meant a lot to my career. And I know you're a hockey guy at heart, which is why it's awesome. awesome. I think you got this podcast going down in Dallas. And um, I knew you were always a hockey fan, even in Houston. So, uh, keep up the good work, and, and it was great catching up with you. My friend still says when we did that game in Houston, and it was on Sirius XM, and he was listening. And yeah, you know, for those that don't know, I used to show up in a suit, copious notes. I was so excited to do it. <laughs> yeah, you are. And I said the arrows are about to go underhanded instead of shorthanded. <laughs> Sometimes things well, I, come out of your I mouth, for, you know? I had forgotten that, but uh, <laughs> now that you say it, it does does bring back some memories. Yeah. But yeah, you were, you always told me before, you know, you're like, hey, I, I just want to make sure I'm prepared. I mean, you're a pro and, and, and what you do for your full-time job, your part-time job, and I appreciate that about you. You weren't going to, you weren't just going to show up and, and uh, be sipping a beer in the broadcast booth. Like you were ready to go. Like you said, in the suit, you had all the notes ready. You wanted to make sure you were, you were at your A game, and I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, safe travels to uh, Colorado, and uh, we'll catch up again uh, maybe during the playoffs. That's Joe O'Donnell, uh, the voice of the Minnesota Wild, special edition of Spits and Suds right here on 105.3 The Fan. Remember, we're growing. This is an awesome feeling. Seeing the, the uh, statistics come in, it's pretty awesome. So if you want good local content here in DFW, just like, favorite, spread the word. There's a local DFW hockey podcast concentrating on the stars and the NHL. It's called Spits and Suds right here on 105.3 The Fan.